Welcome back, Fungo Banter fans. I am Eric Sorensen here at Big Country Studios located in Ellensburg, Washington. So excited to be bringing you another episode of your Fungo Banter podcast. We are so pumped about today's guest that's going to be joining us here in just a minute. Jeff Calhoun, head coach of Biola University. Coach had a had a heck of a year running here before the shutdown happened. They were sitting eighth, as I'm seeing here in the nation, with a 12-2 and record. Just having a great year, getting that program rolling again. And, you know, it was a very enjoyable interview on my end of being able to listen to him and Kelly go at it and and get a few questions in. And, uh, you know, just doing research of him and the, all the the people that have had nice things to say about him on the Biola website, uh, big names in the baseball world. So super excited. I'm so excited. Hopefully you guys enjoy this. We are officially on iTunes now. We're on Apple Podcasts. So check us out. Tell your friends about us. Get on Twitter at, at Fungo Banter PNW. Talk to us. Retweet, you know, let's let's have some interaction with us Pacific Northwest coaches, you know, college and high school alone. There's it's they get Kelly and uh, and Jeff get into how the the brotherhood, uh, the fraternity of Northwest baseball coaches and how strong it is and super enjoyable interview. I uh, can't wait for you guys to listen to it. Like I said, check us out on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and also follow us on Twitter. With that, let's welcome Jeff Calhoun to the podcast. Well, Fungo Banter fans, we are back with our second episode. We are very excited to have with us today head coach of Biola University, Jeff Calhoun. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Well, you know what? We're going to just start off with one hard-hitting question right away. Your favorite Fungo bat, go. Ooh, uh, SSK150. I'm a short Fungo guy. So, uh, second favorite, I had a Mizuno one that I loved except for it warped after four years. So um, pretty big letdown after that happened. Oh, um, but I am taking, I am open to endorsements. Right. If anybody wants me to, you know, swing their fungo, that's ugly. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> as long as it's free, it's for me. So well, I mean, can, we, can we get a highlight tape of those uh, fungo skills to market <laughs> to the rat companies? For you? <laughs> you know, I can practice it at, uh, I think there's a public park by my house right now that I'm allowed to. Um, outside of this quarantine, I can go there, and I saw a video of a guy hitting the cones. So I think mm-hmm. yeah. I think I could I think I could compete. If you put a nine pocket up there, I'll be okay. Yeah, just back um, some dogs to the park and have a have a nice little afternoon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got a got a great Saturday planned. Well, Lots if you're you're a fungo company, reach out to him at Coach Calhoun on Twitter. Get that free fungo going. Yeah, we'll endorse it too. We'll market it all over the place. Just yeah. you know. Absolutely. Well, you know, let's talk about your ties. You know, we're the Northwest Fungo Banter Podcast. So talk about your ties to the Northwest, how you got your start in the and playing and coaching in, in your career of baseball. Yeah, for sure. Uh grew up in Bothell. Uh, that's where I grew up. Um played little league there, played for the Boys and Girls Club. Actually, that was where I first started. Uh Boys and Girls Club. We played at the one in Lake Washington over in Kirkland. So we would commute and played every sport there possible. So soccer, football, basketball, baseball, and then I got into little league. So I was a North shore little league guy. Uh, so played there. So I was 12. Uh, my dad, um, works construction. So he, we relocated to Southern California for a year when I was in junior high. So that was my first experience with club ball. Moved back to Washington, excuse me, and played, for Malby Pony. I moved back to Malby 
just outside of Woodenville and right between the tri- the perfect three some or three cities of Snohomish, Monroe, and Woodenville. Just the you know the trifecta really, I think, is what they call it. So winners are built. Um, yeah, winners are built there. I think is the you know truth of the matter. But uh, played played pony there. Uh, also played a little bit of travel ball. Um, played for Seattle Stars in high school. Played at, went to Cedar Park Christian. A uh, little one A school, so um, got that experience of being, uh, you know, really intimate school like sizing. So we had like 98 kids in my graduating class, so that was the big class there. Um, but yeah, so you know, born and raised in the Northwest, I think one of the cooler things about it is our area is the state of Washington. I think for baseball and even the PNW in general, um, everybody goes to baseball Northwest growing up, or everybody plays for, you know. 10 years ago, which is crazy, I think, for us to say, Kelly, you know, 10 years ago, there was only 10 or 15 club teams in mm-hmm. the state of Washington. So it's, it was, you know, you're a Paulsville RV Boys of Summer guy. You're a, you know, Spokane Dodgers guy. You're a, you know, whatever, Yakima Beatles, your Legion, your Lakeside, your Stars, your Chafee, whatever it was. Um, there were, I felt like, I think, in that time period, there was legitimate rivalries. And we all knew who everybody was. We knew who was coming from Boise to play for the Spokane Dodgers. It was like, oh, these guys are coming from Oregon or they're playing for, you know, whoever in Portland we were playing. It was just, that was how it was. So um, I ended up going for a year to Azusa Pacific time in NAI program. Um, after I graduated down here in Southern California, who's actually our rival here at Biola, uh, played for Paul Spagdus there, who's still the head coach. He's had a ton of success. He's been to a bunch of college world series at the NAI level and, uh, so it's did, you know, most recently he's been the three-time host of our region championships for Division Two. So, I mean, they're the king of the castle right now. So we got to you know, go after them. And I uh, ended up transferring out uh, medically registered. I broke my hand as a catcher. It's kind of a big deal. You can't really do anything when you have a broken hand. Um, <laughs> so he was just throwing one. So it was like the epitome of being a freshman. It's like, man, I can't throw, but I catch. So I have to catch every bullpen. But <laughs> Like, I really just couldn't chill, which stunk. So I really wore that red shirt pretty well. Uh, transferred back to Skagit Valley. Um, played two years there. And that's where I think for me, again, like that Northwest Ties, I mean, we had guys from Monroe that I knew growing up. Uh, Travis Shreve was a teammate of mine on the Stars and played against them growing up with the Rainiers and just mm-hmm. different teams. So we knew all these guys. And then really got into the Idaho. We had a bunch of Boise guys and Lewiston guys. So all of a sudden you're getting this kind of – melting pot of Northwest kids at the junior college level. And that's where I think for us, you know, we'd go to Lewiston for a weekend and go, you know, see what LC state is, or we go to Wazoo or we go down to Boise or we go play in a weekend that we're there. And it's like, Hey, you know, we're camping outside of Lewiston playing LC state in the fall. And it's like, man, like there's just a little bit of grit and a little bit of toughness that comes out of, I think, playing in the NWAC, mm-hmm. especially in that time period where, I mean, we cleared benches with Yakima. Like that was normal. Like that's not a big deal. It's like, Hey, you slid hard into home and now we're going to fight. It's like, that was just normal. Um, but again, I think everybody knew each other. So there was just this, there was always rivalries and there was always, you know, you're playing for something bigger than just, I'm um, trying to go here to get a scholarship. It's like, no, like Skagit had a tradition of being successful and it was my job to continue that legacy. And uh, after that, uh, I ended up getting an opportunity to go play um, at a mid-major division one in New York at Niagara University for Rob McCoy. Um, me and actually my teammate at Skagit both went, so we were roommates there and then roommates at Niagara, which is pretty cool. 
Um, played two years there, got done playing, tried to do the indie ball thing, didn't work out. And then uh, got hired at Westmont College in Santa Barbara. Um, got that job actually because the recruiting coordinator at Azusa, when I, when I went there my freshman year, uh, ended up being the head coach at Westmont. Uh, so he actually recruited me to APU, and then when I got done playing, they were looking for an assistant to recruit and coach catchers and um, basically get paid. I mean, it was my first job, so I got paid $1,000, and I was like, sick, I don't know where Santa Barbara is, but I'm going to move there, and um, ended up moving down here and been down here. Now this is my seventh year in Southern California, which is crazy, so um, I think that's where I mean, we recruit the Northwest a lot still, and you know our staff here has a Northwest guy on it with CJ Baker, our head assistant mm-hmm. and recruiting coordinator. So I think for us, um, at least for me, there's always a special place in my heart for Northwest, and then also just Washington, especially in general. Um, that's home. I mean, even though I joke that I've been on here for seven years, I'm still a Washington guy. Like that's not something that's ever going to go away. So long-winded answer, but that's. That's the road, so it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I think uh, I think the Northwest is what ties us all together as coaches, and it's kind of amazing that the group about our age or, or maybe even slightly older people that coached us or people we played with and whatnot are doing such great things, and mm-hmm. whether it's Major League Baseball, whether it's coaching at, at the college level, there's been a lot, of, a lot of people out of this area that have been very successful in spreading out you know, and so having people on like you is, is great to bring this thing back full circle. But, um, I, I think the, the best thing that we have going in the Northwest is just that brotherhood of coaches. And, and you hit a lot on that, just people you knew and, and whatnot growing up. And I, I feel it's the same way in the, in the coaching realm right now that, you know, I can call you on a Tuesday at eight in the morning and we can talk, talk shop about something like that. Or, you know, we mm-hmm. see you at an event and it's just like, you pick right back up with like a long lost friend. Um, so it's really cool for us to have those events that, that we can all kind of tie back together as a group. But, um, you know, what, what does that mean to you, that coaching group and, and whatnot for those individual individuals you're still connected with in the Northwest? Yeah. I mean, I think you hit it on the head. It's been, um, an adventure. That's for sure. I think for me, um, when I moved down here, I genuinely didn't know anybody, um, mm-hmm. down here. So even, I remember, I got hired early August and I moved down here. I was living in my truck, um, which on the beach was pretty sick. So I was like, Hey, I'm living <laughs> on the beach in my truck. Like I'm a hippie. This is cool. Um, like I'm getting paid. I didn't know you get paid to coach baseball. It was sick. Um, and then going to my first recruiting event or camp, uh, was Trotsky and Fresno and it was middle of August. They didn't have gear for me. So I was wearing like a long sleeve, BP top in 110 degrees, as you know, in Fresno, Kelly, it was yes, awful. Yes. I was like, oh. so I was just in a sweatsuit having a great time, but I was like, shoot, I'm getting paid for this. This is sick. And the first guy I got to meet there, um, was Rob Vance at Concordia. And so Rob recruited me out of high school and out of junior college. And so I knew him. And then right away though, we picked it up because he coached guys that I played with at Skagit. Mm-hmm. We had co- he coached guys in the summer that I played with at Skagit, so we had connections there. And then he was excited I was in the coaching circle. So, I mean, in our work, in our realm, you know, the joke is he's, you know, like a dad to me. But really, he has been. I mean, that's just I think that Northwest Circle, and we joke about it. I think at the convention every year, 
that there is like a Northwest mafia kind of feel to it where like you go out and especially here in Southern California, there's the Fullerton family. There's the Long Beach family. There's like mm-hmm. all these different, you know, coaching groups of guys that played at these places and have coached this place. And I think in the Northwest it's kind of Oregon state and kind of that realm of it. But for us, there's this group of people, like you said, I mean, whether it's Kai or Craig or, you know, you or me or, you know, Rats or whoever it is that kind of in that late twenties, mid thirties range right now, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of us. And even in the Northwest, I mean, it's, you know, guys like Eric Lane who, I mean, I remember playing against Eric when he was on Peninsula and I was on the stars and then going to junior college playing against him at LC when I was at Skagit and then playing together on the bells after his first year at Gonzaga, my last year at Skagit, it was like, I knew who he was. I didn't like him as a player. And then playing with him, I was like, dude, I love this guy. I'll go to fight with this guy because it's it's just that culture. And so now, you know, same type of deal. We could call each other on a Thursday and be like, hey, man, how's your cat? He's like, I hate my cat. I was like, I know. Like, you, want me to come fight? you want me to come punch your cat? He's like, my wife will kill me. I was like, fair. So, like, who do you want me to let? Like, t- tell me about your shortstop. And it's like, yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's just how I think our group is. And I think we're all, I don't think there's any ill intention on any of our parts, which I think is something that's unique in the Northwest. I think everybody genuinely cares about each other and on the field, when you, you know, throw the ball out, it's time to go. But outside of that, it's like, once the game ends, I mean, we're all going to go to dinner together. We're all going to spend time together. We all genuinely care about each other, which I think is unique. And even down here in SoCal, that's not the case. Um, Mm -hmm. That's definitely not the case. It's definitely a, you know, Hey, you, you stole up seven. I hate you now. It's like, well, mm-hmm. like you haven't seen my bullpen. Like I need to steal when I'm up seven. Like it's not good. So, I mean, it's just different where it's like, Hey, like we're playing the game hard. I'm sorry. And at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, we're still friends. We're going to go talk shop. And we're going to go talk players. And I mean, I think Kelly and I have had a handful of conversations about guys. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, Hey, you know, are you act- like this guy brought you guys up? Are you guys actually on this guy? Mm-hmm. And, there's basically a couple of coaches down here I can do that with where it's like, Hey, you know, JT and I uh, worked together at UCSD for three years and he's a recruiting coordinator at Irvine. So I'll be like, Hey, this guy brought you guys up. Are you on him? And if he's like, yeah, I was like, well, do you want me to help you out and kind of feel it out for you? And he's like, yeah. So that's where I, you know, it's just taking care of our own, but Northwest guys are loyal. I think that's the best thing to describe it with CJ. And I talk about it all the time. Like, I mean, he calls up there, or we go back home and, we go into a facility and we, you know, go see Scott Kelly at Edmonds or we go see Kurt in Kirkland right now with the bandits or even when Cody comes home, it's like Cody's still working in a cage. So I think even if, you know, we're getting up in, in the higher levels of our businesses, we've all been on the ground floor. And mm-hmm. so we we're okay with going back and feeding in a cage or giving a lesson or working at a camp. I don't think, you know, I think that's where we're a little different Kelly, where it's like, you're not going to find head coaches down here, go to a camp and coach kids. That's not a thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where it's like, Hey, like it's what we like to do. It's what we got into this for. So it's not the, as much as I'd love to be in, you know, a guy with 25 endorsement deals for fungos. I mean, I know who I am. So (laughs) that's the goal, man. We'd love to get you there. So endorsements (laughs) and fungos is the goal. Me and you will split it. Let's make it happen. Hopefully they're not split fungos, but yeah. The headliner of our fungo golf tournament where, methodically planning <laughs> hey you can have the left-handed fungo it's fine so it's, really good. <laughs> it's it's well it's in the shed right now next to the the bucket of curveball so if you see it in there 
kind of let me know. But I, I think hearing you talk about this, I, I hope in time there's some listeners on here that um, are aspiring college coaches and, and start to get that that sense that it's so much about relationships. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. not about being the the best at teaching a launch angle swing or mm-hmm. um, being able to know the driveline pitching system or whatever it is. It's it's the relationships, the people you know. And um, I know I got jobs and got to where I'm at right now because of other people, Northwest people that are, are coaching in the game that might be a different spot now, but at the time they mm-hmm. were at a baseball Northwest event and I'm looking and I'm telling that person, hey, looking for a job they're standing next to someone hey i need a infield coach okay well hey i'm just talking to this guy he needs a job all of a mm-hmm. sudden i got a phone call from a head coach saying um hey there's a job for you so um be good to people you're around um for sure know, try to go out and meet as many people as you possibly can um and and don't feel like there's any hidden agenda with anyone yeah i think we i mean it's like i i tell a story about cj i mean hiring cj here um, I mean, I was in, you know, he and I talked about this a lot. I mean, I had a couple of guys in mind and, um, none of those guys wanted to do it. And I, and, you know, timing is everything in our business, as you know. And so I'm mm-hmm. scrambling, scrambling, scrambling. And CJ and I have had a relationship playing against each other in high school Him being at South Woodby and me being at Cedar Park, both small school guys, you know, him being a, a laces guy, me being a stars guy, we played against each other. And then, um, him being that white guy. And then he was at Bucknell. So we worked a couple camps together in the summer. We'd meet up in Woodland, California for a week and work camp. And it was, that was our reunion basically. And so we'd see each other and I was in the middle of getting this job during that camp and had just gotten off of the job while I was there. Um, and so he called me to just see how I was going. And it was just absolute timing. Like we talked about. And as a Christian man, like it was just God's hand on that one, but it was Mm -hmm. like, I, I had just gotten told no, I was on the phone with the guy you're going to talk to next week and Kevin Koppel. And I'm like, dude, I got to find a hitting guy. Like I can't find a hitting guy and slash recruiting guy anywhere. I mean, I've looked under every rock and then see, I'm like, Hey, see, just call me. I don't know what he wants. And so I called, I answered the phone and he's, he's calling to make fun of me about the job. And <laughs> I'm like, Hey man, like, he's like, who are you hiring? I'm like, I haven't hired anybody. He's like, well, tell me about it. So I told him about the job. And he's like, well, I'll take a job. And I was like, do you, do you, do you want the job? And he's like, yeah, I want the job. And I was like, okay he's like do you want me for the job i was like yeah i didn't think you'd want it <laughs> he's like uh yeah and so it's i think there's that like loyalty system and it's just you never know who's gonna help you get what and like you said it's relational i mean i got the i got my second job at ucsd um because they were looking for a catching guy that could recruit and we had gone to battle with as a as westmont we went to battle with ucsd on kids all the time and their recruiting guy was like, Hey coach, like this guy keeps getting in our business, in our way of signing kids. Let's just go get them. And so, mm-hmm. um, it worked out great for me. It was a great experience, but it was like, man, like that was, uh, that was just, you know, going out and working your tail off. And it's not what you post on Twitter, which I think is the hard part is there's kind of this, you know, mantra right now, as you and I both know, as super Twitter guys, Kelly, um, mm-hmm. I mean, we're just posting all the time on it, but I think we're just, it's about what you work. It's about what you do. It's about being able to build relationships and that's, what's going to get you in the door and get you a better opportunity. And, you know, I think if you look at our staff, we're pretty quiet on Twitter. We're not mm-hmm. posting a lot of drills and all the stuff we do because we're focused more on the relationship with our players and getting our players. Yeah. better. That's just who we are. Yeah. And we like where we're at. So 
I think it's a big deal. I think there's there's a value system that I mean I I think on to give to young coaches. There's a lot of value in being happy with where you are mm-hmm. and being where your feet are because there's some places you might work that you're not a huge fan, but at least you have a job. And then mm-hmm. you got to make the best of what you got, and then um, you got to see what's next. But I think for us, it's like there's a lot of people, and I was guilty of it my first year at UCSD. I was like, all right, well, what's the next job? Where it was like, no, like let's be really good here. And then we kind of built the success we had, and I was like, all right, like I'm going to be the best at my role that I can be, and then continue to just work from there. Because I mean, that's where again the relationships, like there were job opportunities because. I met a guy at a convention or I met a North or the Northwest guy. I mean, Craig helped me get in the door for an interview at a couple of jobs driver mm-hmm. because he's a Northwest guy and I'm a Northwest guy. And we see each other every Christmas at the GSL camp and or not GSL big league edge camp and mm-hmm. great time. So. All right, let's, uh, let's transition a little bit here. Coach Calhoun and, uh, talk a little bit about Biola baseball. Um, Love to dive into the program a little bit, let people hear kind of what's happening down your way. Uh, you know, first and foremost, we are very fortunate next year at St. Martin's University to go down and visit and see this uh, this palace that you created in first uh, in first hand. Uh, so it'll be an, another opportunity for Northwest guys to get back together and and like you said, battle it out on the field, and then we'll go back to being friends and share a dinner and a Pepsi afterwards. So, mm-hmm. um, Diet, Diet Coke for me. Um, Diet, Diet, Diet Coke. Coke. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was, just, just a heads up. To each their own. So <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about, uh, talk about your team this year. How, how are things going for you? Uh, for people that didn't know, uh, I won't make you have to brag about where you were at, but, uh, Biola was rated nationally. I think number eight when we left off and, and two in the West region, we're off to a 15 and one, start so really really rolling um when this happened so so talk a little bit about the group you had this year um uh, maybe maybe uh what you're looking forward to moving forward yeah um i mean i you know appreciate the brags i mean we were we were 12 and 2 we weren't we weren't 15 and 1 i'll take yeah. 15 and 1 but um <laughs> i wish we played that many games um i think for us you know it's a group that you know, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. We, you know, we came in, I got hired mid July. So it was a little late in the recruiting process. So we were able to grab a couple guys that we felt we needed. Um, they had a really good core back. And when I interviewed, I mean, getting to play against them last year as the head assistant of Point Loma Nazarene, um, I mean, we played them four times in conference. And so when I interviewed here, their comment was like, well, Hey, how long do you think it's going to take to rebuild this thing? And I was like, what do you mean rebuild? Like, you guys won 29 games last year. Mm-hmm. Your core is back offensively. Like this was one of the most talented teams we faced. So I think it's not going to take that long. I just think, you know, I think the biggest thing that these guys needed, I think it was like any program, you know, sometimes with an interim coach, um, there's just a little bit of a uh, mutiny going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's where we, um, you know, we just put a lot of structure together. And I, the biggest thing was just getting these guys on board with a plan and our seniors were awesome. Uh, they bought into, you know, they drank the Kool-Aid and they believed what we told them we thought was best for them. And they ran with it. Um, I think our guys were awesome kids. We're we lose a handful of seniors with this, you know, season ending early and it's a bummer. I mean, including the Northwest guy, um, we had a guy from school camp, 
that we really liked, who was just a, the great role guy that he was, um, kind of spark plug of our offense. And so for us, um, I mean, we, yeah, we started well, we had a really, I mean, opening weekend sweep at home, which was crazy. I think as Kelly can relate as a young head coach, I think for me, I was, I got asked by our head basketball coach here, who's the fifth winningest coach in college basketball history. Um, Dr. Holmquist, he's got like 900 and I think it's 93 wins now. Um, in his career, yeah, he's a stud, but he's, he goes, Hey, what's your biggest fear right now as a head coach? And I go, I'm I'm afraid of never winning the game. (laughs) And he, he's like, he tries, and then he tries to pump me up. I'd be like, Oh, don't worry. Like I started my career 0 10, no big deal. And I was like, well, in basketball, that's like half your season. So that'd be like me starting 0 25. Like that's not comforting. Like that's not at all what I want to hear. Um, and so he, he was, um, yeah, it was, uh, not the greatest advice. Um, but we, um, I think for us, like, you know, it's just that you want to get your monkey, the monkey off your back. And so winning the first game was huge. It kind of relaxed me a little bit. I was like, but I think we kept telling our guys, um, you know, it's the big picture, which is a hard thing to see. And as a head coach, you have to have, but I was like, Hey, we still can go one at 49. Like it'd be really mm-hmm. impressive. And so it was just trying to attack each day with this 1% better mentality that I stole from coach Newman at UCSD when I worked there and just getting better at something. And it didn't have to be baseball. And I think that was the big thing for them is it getting 1% better at school, 1% better mm-hmm. at your sleeping habits, 1% better at your study habits, 1% better at something. And they really took off with that. And our guys really just ran with the idea that it's an us against the world mentality. It was our first year playoff eligible. So we wanted to be, you know, the first team in Biola history for division two to be in the playoffs and to set that tone and set that standard. And, uh, you know, bummer that it ended the way it did. I mean, we, mm-hmm. you know, got to do a Hawaii trip, which was a lot of fun, um, for our guys. I mean, they, excuse me, they had a, you know, we got rained out a bunch. So we did a lot of fun things as a team though. We went, every off day was sunny, which made no sense. But I mean, we, you know, saw some things and that was the thing for me is I'm a baseball junkie. So I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to practice every day. And, uh, another coaching mentor of mine was like, Hey, this might be the only time these kids go to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And so think about it, from that experience, I was like, well, shoot, that's true. This is my first time on Hilo. I've never been to Hilo. And so, you know, we took guys that are from East LA or, you know, from Chula Vista or from places that don't, see the world and i got a kid from east la walking on lava rock it's like he's, i was like mm. you think anybody from your hometown's ever done this he's like no i'm taking <laughs> some with me and i was like yeah you can't awesome. do that um no. but like you know seeing pearl harbor doing stuff like that with these guys i think we really brought it to be a family and um our assistants did a phenomenal job of you know being the middleman between you know the head coach and the players mm-hmm. our leadership council did a great job of kind of being the voice of the team and um i mean we I, I told the guys when I got this job and I, I think most coaches would agree with it. The two things I guaranteed them as a coach is that um, I was going to love them a ton and care about them and genuinely want to be a part of their life. And the second part was that I'm, you know, I think I'm a very blue collar person. So for me, it was, I'm going to work my tail off. And, and I asked if they could give me those two things back, we're going to have a great year. And they did just that. So um, I know our guys are already like, I mean, we have a, we have a, you know, Google, meet up coming up on monday and you know they're excited to see each other already and do stuff together still and just check in and um that's going to be kind of our goodbye to some of our seniors 
before we kind of start transitioning into the 2021 prep and stuff like that. But it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. There's obviously the stretches of the head coach, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, being the one that, you know, have a kid hit his first home run or have a kid get his first mm-hmm. inning in college and stuff like that, being there for those is pretty cool. Um, and that was really special. So getting to have those experiences and, but it's a, it's a great place. I mean, more about Biola. It's a small Christian college. Uh, it's, you know, 4,200 students. We're about, 15 minutes from Angel Stadium, 15 minutes from Disneyland. Those are kind of the major landmarks for us. Um, we're right on the Orange County, LA County border. Uh, half our campus is in Orange County, half it's in LA County. So um, it's kind of unique in that regard. So I think we're, you know, it's a great place. It's, you know, Christian College. It's one of the top Christian institutions in the country. So for us, you know, that's a big part of it. And our guy, all of our guys walk away with a Bible minor. So, I mean, that's something that, is a recruiting challenge, but I think our guys understand like, Hey, it's going to make you a better person when you leave here. And, mm-hmm. um, and CJ, our assistant has a theology minor. So for him, it's like, Hey, like that's normal. Like that's not a big deal. Right. And so, I mean, for us, it's getting to see him develop as people, as people more than just baseball guys. And, you know, if they get drafted, that's awesome. But I know that a lot of these guys are going to make a difference wherever they go in the world. So that's a pretty cool thing to know, as opposed to having some guys that are like, I don't know if this guy's going to be able to make a breakfast someday like that. Like, it's right. Like, can he tie his shoes? I don't know, but I mean, these guys, it's like, Hey, we taught him how to tie their shoes. This is great. So, <laughs> like at least I could check that box every day. Like, Hey, at least they know how to put their shoes on. Even if it's flip flops, they know how to do that. So <laughs> yeah, Dominic, make that task. Best first task today, put on some shoes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you hit on, make your bed. backtrack, backtrack a little bit. We talked, you talked a little about some culture stuff. Um, I, I think that what we found at, at St. Martin's is, is we've gotten such a better uh, product on the field from guys really having strong relationships with each other off the field and encouraging those things. You know, we want mm-hmm. guys to be able to hang out together. We see them shooting hoops together in the, in the rec center or, or hitting extra on their own. Um, how, how have kind of some of those relationships been uh, within your team? How do you kind of help forge some of that when everyone's kind of toe in the water with a first year coach trying to figure out, what I'm going to be and they're fighting for, you know, who's going to be the starter. This coach said that I'm sure you said everyone has their own unique opportunity and it doesn't matter if you're new, old, young, freshman, senior scholarship, not scholarship. Mm-hmm. So how have you kind of been that middleman for them and, and kind of help create some of those relationships and, and maybe some, uh, some fun stuff, activities. I know we've, we were talking before you got on about some of the Twitter stuff you put out there. So, how does some of that stuff come up and, and where do you see it kind of that importance thing of, of guys just, just uh, enjoying being around each other? Yeah. I mean, I think for us, um, you know, obviously coming in as a new staff, we, we kind of set a standard of, Hey, if you're not a good person, you're not going to be a good player. Um, you know, guys that aren't good people usually struggle in college sports, to, especially at our level of division two, non-division one, really um, they struggle. Um, because if they're not a good person, they're probably not great in the classroom. If they're not great in the classroom, they're not going to be eligible. They're not helping anybody. Mm-hmm. And so we just explained that, hey, every decision you make affects our team and affects our program and affects our future. And that's kind of been the challenge of, of the legacy idea that a lot of schools talk about. But again, this was kind of something I came up with when um, I was the assist- when I was the assistant at UCSD and just 
really being in charge of what I being really good at what I do. And so it's like, Hey, like, all right, like I'm in charge of catchers. The mindset was, Hey, we're going to be the best catching group in the country one through four. And so the mindset was, Hey, if you're the starter that day, you've worked your tail off enough to be the best catcher in the country. Like that's the mindset. And then if you're the backup, you're the best backup in the country. You're the best second string catcher in the country. So mm-hmm. when you go warm with a pitcher in between innings, you're showing off that you're better than everybody else is number two. Right. And then our third guy would be on a chart potentially. And it's like, Hey, like you're the best chart guy in the country. You're the best at what you do. Cause then when you get your opportunity to play, you've earned the right now to be the starter and be the best guy mm-hmm. or to be in the mm-hmm. game. And it really did create this culture. And so we had, you know, we called it the pit and that's kind of been the catching unit everywhere I've been. And, you know, we joke about it being a fraternity of guys I've got to coach. So, you know, the Westmont catchers know who the UCSD catchers were when I was working there. And then last year, Point Loma, you know, there was that relationship of, you know, guys that are in pro ball, they came back and wanted to be around it. And so they're like, Hey, we're training, we're working with your guys. And, you know, now working here, you know, our volunteer assistant, Ryan Crow, caught for me at Westmont. And so he's working with catchers with me and he's one of the original pit members. So for him, it's like, this is a fraternity. This is a big deal. This is what we're about. And that was kind of something that we did there. And then when I went to Point Loma as the offensive guy, working with the hitters and catchers and working with the defense, I was like, all right, that's the mindset for our hitters is, you know, if you're one through nine, you're the best eight hitter in the country. You're the best, whatever. You're the best at what you do. And then coming here with the whole unit, it was like, hey, whoever's starting, they're the best nine players on our team right now. And that, like, in this moment, they're the best player on our team at that job. Mm-hmm. And you've earned that right. And so that's where the competition came in because we use the line a lot. We're only as good as our worst guy. And so if there's a guy that's struggling in the weight room or behind, like, one of the – whoever their leadership uh, – our, our leadership team we had, we they drafted who their – five guys where they were on their team if he's on your team like you got to keep bringing him along and mm-hmm. keep dragging him into the weight room and doing more stuff and keep helping him out because he's your responsibility because then if he's not doing it you're in charge of him so you're not holding him accountable and then you're letting the rest of the team down so that right. really kind of it, it caused this like buddy system almost of like hey if one of our senior leaders was going to the weight room the odds were there was a freshman or another young guy that was going to go with him it wasn't right. just him by himself crushing the arm farm. It was like, <laughs> hey, there's some freshmen in there that are trying to get over 140 pounds. So, oh, great. Like, like, all right, like, you look at you put some weight on, you're up to 150. That's awesome. Like, you can really tell when, you know, as a coach, like, you can't tell between 140, 150. There's really not that much difference. But, I mean, guys are working hard and they're trying their best. So, I appreciated that. But that was where for us, it was like, hey, you've earned the right to go do that. And so, that really clicked with a lot of our guys. Um, that's kind of been even in our recruiting, like, Hey, you know, we do have guys back, but you're going to be part of a legacy idea of like a, a kid that I got to coach at UCSD and then um, work with at UCSD and at Point Loma, Adrian Orozco. Um, you know, when he graduated was our first trip to the world series in 17 at UCSD. And I'm talking to him like, Hey, like what's the best part about this? And he's like, I get to look back in time and anytime I come back to our campus, I'm going to see my class's number on the wall. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I helped do that mm-hmm. and forever. They can't take that away from me. And I was like, well, shoot, like that's a pretty actually sick thing to say. So that's kind of been the legacy conversations. Like, Hey, you want your number, you want your, your 
that you're on our team to be on the wall. Right. Because then when you come back 20 years from now with your kids and your wife, or you're coming back to see your guy, your teammates at an alumni event, that's always going to be there. And that's always going to be a conversation like, Hey, what was it like in, you know, 2017 or 2018 for UCSD to go to the world series? Like, you know, in 17, it was here. 18, it was here. It was different. You know, this varied, you know, whatever, like everybody's got stories and times and, you know, even guys that we coached at UCSD, I mean, one of them posted a video on this whole like quarantine, like, you know, posting old pictures or videos. And one of them was him hitting a home run at the college world series in 17. And I was like, I texted him. I was like, you know, that was, pretty cool moment i remember it and he's like yeah i'd mm-hmm. go back in a heartbeat and that's mm-hmm. i think where you got to understand this idea that you're coaching someone's glory days and mm-hmm. you're affecting their how they're going to view this and it's mm-hmm. obviously a lot easier when you're winning but at the same time like if you treat them well they're going to know that you care about them and you're going to they're going to have a better experience than like if i'm just running through guys all the time or i'm you know funneling kids in and out every year it's like oh we're dumping eight and we're bringing in 12 like we're dumping mm-hmm. 10 we're bringing in nine it's like that's not a great way to build a program or to right. have you know a group of people that want to be there a group of people that care about that it's more than just baseball it's representing a group of guys we talk a lot about from the 2000 2009 viola baseball in the nai was really good and had a lot of success and a lot of guys go pro a lot of conference championships like when those guys come back you have to honor those guys because they've put in the work to build what this is. So mm-hmm. that's where, you know, Viola gets its name from is those guys for baseball. So that's been the big thing is just remembering someone else has worn that uniform before you and someone's going to wear mm-hmm. it after, but how are they going to remember, you know, number 10, how are they going to remember number 15 in these years? And that's what, I mean, I think for them, there is this responsibility and it's more than just them. So that's been kind of the, the Kool-Aid we've been, we've been, you know, drinking around here this year right um it you know it worked for 14 games so uh, i'm interested to see how it works for hopefully 50 or more next year we'll see um yeah absolutely but no good stuff man uh you know i think one of the things that's helped us out quite a bit is uh is having a great group of seniors and i Yeah, we've been fortunate to have a group of seniors that uh, that's really bought into bringing everyone along. And a lot of that is, is kind of what you hit on there with, with them taking responsibility for the younger guys. You know, and, and when I kind of first started here at St. Martin's, it was that disconnect of I'm a senior, you're a freshman, stay out of my way. Um, mm-hmm. And we've all been a part of that, whether that's high school, whether that's junior college, everywhere we've gone, there's that hierarchy of, of people. And I think a lot of it is, is based on people who are afraid of their jobs and, and losing their jobs. So rather than putting in work, they're going to try to go to a spot where they're intimidating someone else or trying to bring them down in that situation. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I really like what you hit on with, with giving everyone a role within that position group, you know, and I think when they all take accountability for that, uh, that individual role, they're going to help each other along, you know, and, and, you never know what's going to happen. You talk about being as good as your as your last guy. Um, injuries and stuff happen at the drop of a hat, um, mm-hmm. and, and those guys are going to be prepped and ready to go if if they're brought on the right way. So I, I think that's been one of the hardest parts for this for this ending is is to hear a guy, a senior, come in on his on his uh, in his exit meeting, and just talk about how how much he's enjoyed bringing along younger guys and, and knowing that or not knowing the group of players that you truly are going to get in in future recruiting classes, it, 
it brings up a little bit of fear as a coach that are you going to be able to continue this group? Are they going to be as tight knit? Um, how can we continue building in this way? And, and I think what, what we're hoping is that the system will, will take care of itself and, and really help to, to keep a tight knit group throughout, you know, all our future years together. Well, coach, we know you got this, uh, uh, a border of Chick-fil-A burning there that you need to get eaten up. And that guy from Ellensburg doesn't have it. I truly Off appreciate the record that. there. So, uh, hey, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's delivered at six 30. So I got time. Okay. So we I got, got, so we got time for I got one pl- more question got- then. So, you know, the, I think you've covered a lot of it and you can definitely tell the, uh, how you run your program, but you know, okay. You got your last moment, you know, someone that doesn't know about Biola university, how do you want outsiders to wrap this thing up? How do you want outsiders and what do you want them to know about your program? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, um, I mean, we talk about it a lot within our program that we, like I said, I think from when you get to the yard, if it's practice, if it's inner squad, if it's, you know, outside, whatever it is, a game day, um, but there's structure there. Um, that was something I feel like as a player, sometimes that was hard to find. And the programs that we had success at, we had a lot, of, we had a structure and there was a plan and you knew what you're supposed to do. And for us, that was our big thing here was, you know, making sure our guys were prepared. And so when they show up, I mean, it's, we're not a really long practice group. We're not a three and a half, four hour group. That's just not who we are. Um, I'm, you know, just from, I think what research is showing on player development and how to get the most out of your players. That's not necessarily always the best way. Obviously there are days like that. We will have our four hour scrimmage days and, use all four hours of our allowed NCAA time per day. But uh, most of the time for us, it's about 120 minutes to 140 minutes is kind of the goal. And we, we put it on our practice plan. It's pedal to the metal for those 120 mm-hmm. minutes from the moment we start practice of stretch or throw it's on. And it's a challenge. Um, and it's a challenge for our coaches too, because we can't, you know, get laid back and, you know, get, you know, two SoCal chillers, I think the term we use, uh, we just aren't that way. Um, you know, we're very like, Hey, here's your VP rounds. Here's what we're doing. Here's what our inner squad looks like. Bang, bang. And guys know that, Hey, sometimes on inner squad days, there's going to be a five minute pause where we're going to go run sprints for nine for, you know, four minutes, run nineties and then get our heart rates up and go back to work. And I think it's, it's definitely very blue collar. I think, I think Kelly can attest that a lot of teams will take on the personality of their coach. And so, I mean, just for me, I'm, I'm a high energy guy. Um, You know, I think the joke that our AD says is that um, I'm not great at taking time off. I'm not good at slowing down. So, you know, it's been good with this quarantine for me to all of a sudden take a one week sleeping break um, (laughs) where our guys have joked because I fell asleep on the plane. They're like, Oh, Callie does sleep. Um, they just didn't know because, you know, I think for us, we go pedal to the metal and we keep, we burn the tires and we roll. So I think we, you know, I'm high energy. Like I said, I mean, we're flying around the yard. It's a lot of fun to be around. Um, I think we're really passionate. I think the biggest thing that we talk about all the time is this never out of the, fu- never out of the fight mentality. And um, Andy McKay just posted about it actually a couple of days ago. And I was really fired up about it because he had a lot of success mm-hmm. at Sacramento city and that's where Ben Cordy, our pitching coach, played for him. And so there's a little bit of that with how Ben goes about his business. And I think for us, we just talk all the time that 
it doesn't matter if we're down eight in the ninth, like let's, you know, let's make a story out of this. Let's do something. Let's punch somebody in the mouth and go get it. And that's where, or if we're up eight, we're not going to take the foot off the gas. We're going to keep playing hard and you're not just going to give up at bats because someday you're going to want that at bat back or you're going to want that inning back on the mound or you're going to want that playback. And I think that's where our practices, like we were talking about Kelly, um, just having all of our guys always ready to go. So mm-hmm. our in and out is our game for some guys. I mean, that's mm-hmm. their game reps and that's all they're going to get the whole day or their BP rounds are their game reps. It just depends on what happened. But um, the example I'll use is even in Hawaii, um, I mean, we had a guy who we think had a chance to be player of the year for our conference and um, Robert Anthony Cruz, he's our starting second baseman and he tweaked a hammy and Hilo, so he wasn't going to play against Hawaii Pacific. And all of a sudden, a freshman's getting his first start in second base or his first real mm-hmm. innings in second base. And that guy had put in the work for the eight months we prepped or seven months we prepped or whatever it was. And then he's going out and, you know, of course, the ball always finds that guy. Mm-hmm. And he's making plays and he's making plays in the hole. He's leaving his feet. He's doing things and he's having quality of bats. It's like that's all the work that he's put in and practice and in scrimmages and in his preparation of understanding that someday I'm going to get my name called and our starting second baseman might be the best player in our conference or maybe be, might be one of the best players in the country, but it's my turn. Like I'm the best player in the country now. And so that mm-hmm. was kind of the cool moment to see that come to fruition. And that's where I think our guys, we, you know, we're, I mean, I think from a culture standpoint, it's just, we're, we're flying around the yard. We're not walking. We're not, you know, waltzing around. I think our guys, we don't, I mean, they're not pimping home runs. They're not, you know, talking to other teams. We just talk about taking care of ourselves and we want to be about our team. It's about mm-hmm. our own guys. Like if we're worrying about other people, you're worrying about the wrong things. There's enough to, there's enough things to think about in baseball that if I have to think about what the other team's doing all the time, like, as a player, you're screwed. Uh, right. If I'm worried about what some guy in the dugout's yelling at me, it's like you're not going to be on time for a pitch. Then, if you're worried about that, like you're not going to mm-hmm. be prepared to go, you know, be on time for a fastball and an advantage count. Like that's just not. That's worrying about the wrong stuff. It's hard enough to do anyway. But I mean, that's where I think our guys. It, and that was the hardest culture thing to change. Is I mean, our guys are our guys were chippy last year, and that's who this mm-hmm. group was. And we talked about it as an opposing team, like, man, these guys are never out of the fight, but they just crossed the line that Mm -hmm. isn't allowed. And so that was something for me, even in the fall, we had a guy get hit by a pitch in a fall game against a junior college and their dugouts chirping. And then one of our seniors starts popping off and I'm in that dude's face. I'm not even worried about the other team. I'm worried about our guy. I'm like, you should like stop, like shut up. That's not what we do. And everybody's like, Oh, like he's even talking about with our number one, rotation guy like mm-hmm. it's not it's not just like oh i'm not going to go after the guys like the best players have to hold the standard otherwise no one's going to follow it mm-hmm. and so that's where you know like i said it's the culture's been very blue collar and you know we want to be tough and we want to be you know competitive in everything we do and that's where i think like kelly and i were talking about some cult- the culture thing and i'll kind of wrap it up with that that i mean we we do have our fun days it's not just you know always flying around the yard for 120 minutes. Um, you know, we, we play a game called tank wars that I stole from UCSD, um, where you have a tank and you have a tank driver. So the tank is a player on all fours. Um, it's the, the perfect circle is the, if you have a soccer field on your campus, 
it's turf, it's even better. Uh, we also do it, we could do it in the outfield, we could do it wherever. We just had a lot of rain, so we went on the turf. But, um, our if you make a semi if you make a circle of cones, you can basically throw a bunch of tennis balls in there, throw a bunch of L screens and garbage cans and benches and whatever you want to put in there, and you have an obstacle course and you blindfold the tank and you have a driver for the tank. <laughs> and the tank driver is not allowed to go in the circle, but he has to direct where the guy can go and he's trying to throw a tennis ball at another tank. So our guys at first were like, ah, this is kind of suspect. And then the competitive juices kicked in and it was like, oh mm-hmm. man, like I don't want to lose. And so, you know, we, you know, cause we keep score and everything. So it's like, it's been, it was a lot of fun and it was something that our guys, I mean, even in the end of the year talks with our guys, like, what was like the most fun we had this year? And they're like, tank war day, tank war day. We want to do more often. <laughs> like, All right. Like we'll do more tank wars. Like I'm in on that. And so it's, it's just, it, it, we just try to make everything a competition and right. even our laid back stuff is competitive. It's there's points on the line for their leadership teams. There's points on the line for individual stuff. And I mean, we don't, we don't do a carry challenge or an Omaha challenge or anything mm-hmm. like that, just because we, you know, we'd rather practice and we'd rather get a nurse squad in or something instead mm-hmm. or be productive with our hours. And we just put enough competition into everything else that we feel like our guys are, you know, competitive and they have gone through a lot of stuff. And this group, I mean, I think when I got this job, I was the third head coach in three semesters. So they'd already been through it. They didn't, they didn't need a, how tough are you mentally challenge? Cause they'd already been challenged for a year and a half of it. So I mean, right. trying to get three different cultures built in three different semesters is hard. So I think for mm-hmm. them, they just, they just, picked up where they left off and again they're really close already so for us it's just really creating the family atmosphere and winners are you know a lot more fun to win than to lose so i mean i've been on both sides of it i've been on the losing side as a player a lot and I understand how that feels and you know as a player losing uh 20 what was it it was 22 to 3 mm. in kentucky um that was a that was a moment that i always go back to and i'm like hey like it you can go and be that guy and do that, but, or you can be competitive at our level and you don't want to be the 22 to three guy. It's not that much fun. Uh, it's a lot more fun when you have another guy going, it's a lot more fun when you're on the 22 side and you're going six for six and set school records to Kentucky. And I'm like, yeah, it was a part of that game. It was really fun. Like yeah. it was really cool to see that guy go six for six. Um, I got six hits that month. It was really cool. So um, it's, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's where we're at. I mean, I think, we're trying to create a culture here that is long-term and we'll see how it goes. So we got a long ways to go. That's for sure. We're not, we're not a powerhouse. We're not Mesa state or Angelo state or UC San Diego. That's for sure. So. Yeah. I think, I think it's one thing that, uh, that we can't lose sight of as coaches. It's just that fun and enjoyment. The reason why guys are playing the game in the college level is because they truly enjoy doing it. You know, if it becomes a chore, then, you know, why, why are you continuing to do that? But, but bringing up some of those other competitions or finding other ways to compete outside of baseball. I think last year, uh, the last season, I think we did a lot more of that. And our guys started having more fun that mm-hmm. there's life outside of just the nuts and bolts of baseball and going out and, and hitting hit and runs and, and moves yeah. and, and bunts and push bunts and whatnot. So I think the more that uh, that can be evident, I know, I know Eric too at Kittitas, I, I think when they were going through that quarantine stuff, we talked about this last week uh, when that, when that stuff first started popping up, they went out and played football in the snow 
Uh, I yeah. know you're not fortunate enough in Southern California to have snow, <laughs> but you don't get that wherever you're I've, at, I've been a, a, I've been a part of it. I know exactly what snow looks like. So <laughs> I, I'm very after being in Buffalo for two years, I'm very familiar. So um, no matter where you're at, you know, there's there's something that that you can do from a from an athletic standpoint. And we we do a football league in the fall. We put teams together, part of their conditioning for that. Guys really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't had too many injuries as of yet, but just finding ways yeah. for guys to have fun and enjoyment and something they can run with too, you know, give them a task, give them a, give them a, a game or something to play and let them run with it. They make their own rules. They can change it. But uh, the more they can compete, you know, away from baseball and, and the other parts of life that, that make being a, a collegiate student athlete or, or student athlete in general tough, I, I think has paid so many dividends for us and, and programs like yourself across the country. Yeah, I mean, I think every program, like you're saying, like you have football in the fall and everybody has something that's kind of what makes their program unique. And I think our our coaching world is so tight-knit, and especially in that Northwest group, like we talk about that. I mean, I think Kevin, I mean, Kevin and I, it used to be me and, uh, you know, Bob, but I mean, me and Bobrowski and me and Koppel would talk every other day for 15, 20 minutes and just talk about what we're doing and what our program's doing. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm struggling with teaching this. What do you got? And it's just being okay and being humble enough to say like, Hey, I don't know. And, mm-hmm. you know, for us, you know, I saw, I got an idea from a friend about they did it at their family gathering at Christmas, a family feud. And I was like, about their Love family. It. And I was like, that's awesome. So we did it for our guys. So we made a bunch of categories and they had to pick guys and, they had to guess who, you know, has the messiest dorm room or who, mm-hmm. you know, who's the worst driver, who's the most awkward first date guy, like just whatever it was, but <laughs> it was in our house. It was within our family and it was our guys. And it really did one of our, I think kind of one of our sophomores I'll leave it with was a guy who's got a, who's not very self-confident himself as a person, really good player, really good stuff on the mound, but just not, confident in who he is as a person mm-hmm. and those kind of moments have allowed him to show his competitiveness and he's ultra competitive mm-hmm. but it's like hey like you're the guy who's the awkward first date like embrace it like that's fine mm-hmm. like at least you got a date like that was always our like we would just say <laughs> stuff like that and he, you know it, it just allowed guys to open up and be okay with being who they are and um you know bus karaoke is always a good one and that's oh, yeah. why they're starting to freshly come out of their shells on that one and mm-hmm. um you know, we do we do stuff here too. Like I think every program does. So everybody's got their own little deal. Like our assistants have little deals within the team of like, you know, we we do five burpees every time we drop a ball on certain days of practice. And uh, for bonus days, if we, you know, in a series, if we split, um, our assistants will do it. And if we win a series, I'll do it. So <laughs> it turns you can see all of a sudden guys are like, hey, we're feeling funny today. We're just gonna start dropping baseballs. And I'm like, I hate all of you. Right now. So it's. <laughs> um, like oh no it's a guy you son of a like it's it's uh but it's just finding ways to keep your team competitive and just also humble yourself to know like hey we've been we've all been college baseball players that are a lot of Mm -hmm. us that are coaches we've all been in slumps we've all been in heaters we've all had moments where things have gone good and things have gone bad and how can we be smart enough to know like hey it's hard like baseball is really hard Mm -hmm. and again we can master the six F's of infield play in the Perry Hill system or what JT was teaching at UCSD, those are important parts of practice, but you also got to find ways to keep you competitive and allow those guys to have fun and enjoy it. Otherwise, like you said, if it's a chore, they're never going to be the best. They're going to be like, mm-hmm. oh, 
Rebecca practice where right. it's them having a good time and they're competitive and they're having fun. They'll, they'll run through walls for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully we can, like you said, each year's different. And that was the hardest conversation with a senior today was, you know, him, you know, making the comment like, Hey, this year for me was all about underclassmen and making sure that they're, they know that I gave them everything I have and that mm-hmm. I'm helping them build the program for them to have success. And, it, you know, now he's hanging it up and it's like, you know, that's, that's what I did this for. And if I come back next year, I feel like I'm cheating them. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, like, it's a pretty humble thing to say. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but each day is different. I think the best thing is a coach. And I think Kelly can attest to this and you can even attest to this. If Kate passes, there's never this, this every day he's got some new challenge. It's not, Oh yeah. It's not TPS reports all the time. So, um, I mean, it's if you want to be a coach, you and this is right now what we're dealing with is the is the new one. I mean, this mm-hmm. isn't covered in your coaching handbook of like, hey, you're gonna have quarantines. Like, hey, you're gonna have to move guys <laughs> off campus. Like, it's like, yeah, you don't teach that. So, um, it's just being able to roll with things and being able to be okay with being uncomfortable as a coach and mm-hmm. so teach you teach your players. So, um, but yeah, it's been. I, I can't imagine doing anything else. That's for mm-hmm. sure. There's definitely mm-hmm. been days sitting in my car in Santa Barbara being like all the random jobs that you do to survive at the start. You're like, man, like, why am I doing this? Like mm-hmm. I can go work construction and be happy as a clam. But then you look at it, you're like, no, I wouldn't be happy. I'd be working mm-hmm. construction every day and that doesn't make me happy. So um, we have the best jobs in the world, I think. So I have to change lives and, I, I get to wear sweats or shorts to practice every day. So it's pretty sick. So love it. Well, coach, thank but, you for joining us today. This has been thoroughly enjoyable listening to and, and good luck with getting through this and stay healthy and good luck next fall. Yeah. I appreciate it guys. And then, you know, again, if anybody needs anything from me, I mean, you know, my contact information is on our website. Uh, anybody that's trying to ask questions and stuff like that. I've gotten some really interesting emails over this quarantine of just of high school coaches or, young coaches trying to get like different things going. So like people are asking me what our team building stuff is or what you know we do for this. And it, it keeps us busy and it keeps us from going insane too. So, I mean, I think the best thing I can advise a young coach to do is reach out to people, ask questions. And for me, it's, you know, my door is always open. My phone's always on. So, um, I mean, I'm always open to talk baseball or talk shop with anybody. So, um, Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thank you. We'll be right back Thanks, and wrap Jeff. things up. Wow, what a great interview with Coach Calhoun there. And thank you, Coach, for joining us on the Fungo Banter podcast. Gosh, that was a lot of fun. Um, I know I can speak for a lot of coaches that after hearing Coach, I have zero problem sending a player down there to play for Coach Calhoun down at uh, Biola University in California. Uh, it was too bad that their season got cut short and everybody's season got cut short, but uh, he was really getting them rolling there and looks like bright things are ahead in the future for him and that program. So that was awesome. Uh, make sure to ch- or share this thing on Twitter. Follow us at Fungo Banter PNW. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And let's get this thing going. And I look forward to we're going to do a couple more episodes this weekend and, and super pumped, super excited about this adventure. So until next time, coaches, take care of one another, stay healthy. And let's get baseball back on the diamond soon.